0: can know except through and by the Spirit of God, can ever understand the worthiness of Christ for our praise and for our adoration. So much he has given us, so much he has suffered for us, even as much as he died for us, and he's worthy of any praise we might give him. In any manner. He sought us when we was lost. We often say we found him, but he, we didn't find him. He found us. He always knew where we was. He's always so faithful to us that he could somehow look into the hearts and lives of individuals, all of us, and see that there was something in there that was yearning for him. Regardless of how our lives might have been lived, he could see some good things inside of us. Every one of us will have to testify to that, that there's no doubt about the goodness of God and about the certainty of God as far as our lives is concerned. And he certainly will exhaust all measures in order to reach us. And I'm glad he's a patient God. I'm glad he's a loving God. I'm glad that he is concerned about every heart of humanity. I'm glad that he doesn't, like humans do, I'm I'm glad he doesn't write any of us off. (laughs) Amen. We'd all be in trouble, wouldn't we, if he just crossed us out because we didn't live up to snuff according to somebody's idea of opinion. But Jesus sees inside, he watches us battle demonic forces, and he watches us try to survive. And he waits on us after we have exhausted all of our measures and all of our strength. And then we come to him, and he's there, all ready to help us and to strengthen us. I, for one, tonight am... certainly more than ever before so grateful that he found me when he did that he blessed me the way he's blessed me and I don't want to ever forget where he brought me from I'm like the little boy I think I put on my self-righteous rags and look in the mirror (laughs) so I'll recognize what I was before he put the kingly garments on me and then once I see what I was, well, then I put on the kingly robes of Jesus and realize oh, that I have on the garments of Christ Jesus, righteous garments, and it makes it all worthwhile. I realize tonight is is uh, Bible study night, and usually we get past the goosebumps and take some time and study. And we have been studying on. The ministry of the church, the fivefold ministry, and this necessity of that, and this necessity of recognizing that. And we were supposed to speak tonight on the evangelist, and I went in my office to study and laid out my literature, and everything there, and I just couldn't get into it. And I thought, Lord, I really don't know what you got in mind, but I know this is not it. So I would appreciate it if you would speak to me before I have to stand behind this sacred desk without anything to say. That's an awful feeling even when you come into the house of God and you're just not right real sure exactly what God wants. You know what you want, but that's beside the point because it's always a failure if you do what you want. And so the Lord simply put my mind to a scripture. It's real old scripture. Something probably we abuse time and time again, but I think it's pertinent for the hour, for all of our lives. And this scripture is found in Hebrews, the Paul's writing to the Hebrew church. The fourth chapter and it beginning at the 14th verse. In fact, all of it is good as uh, he talks about a better covenant and a better rest and a better place and all of that. Anything that Christ has made for us is better than was before. And the whole chapter is good. In fact, the whole book is good. If you haven't read it in some time, go back over it again. You'll be intrigued by some of the things you missed when you read it before. Aren't you glad that God's Word is always new? Even when it seems old, it's always new. It's, it's what, at least uh, how old is God's Word? <laughs> And uh, yet it's ever refreshing and ever new. Some of these things, of course, I'm going to say you have probably heard before and others a little addition to that. But I want to remain or begin at the ninth verse, I believe, instead of the 14th verse. And the Apostle Paul is talking about a better rest and talking about the creation rest that is a type of our rest in in this day and hour, and uh, he starts in. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. Or he that is entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works, as God did from His. And then he says, "Let us therefore labor. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest." lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. He had pointed out before some unbelief of Israel, and they fell in the wilderness forty years. And then it reminds us of the Word of God. For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing asunder of soul and spirit, of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, that's scary, isn't it? Isn't it? I mean, if we take the Word of God to be a reality, then nothing is hid from Him. He is a discerner of our thoughts and even the intents of our heart. Okay? Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in His sight, But all things are naked and open to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. And then he lets us know something else as he says, Seeing therefore that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession or our confession. We have made a confession once Under Jesus Christ and have accepted him and he is saying let's hold fast to that for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin and then because we have that high priest that has been touched with the feeling of all the infirmities that we ever have or ever will have He says, let us come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What a wonderful, gracious master that we have that would die for our sins and yet also become our high priest, And was touched with any feeling of infirmity, sickness, or whatever we might be touched with. He has been touched with that and has in all points been tempted like we are tempted. In every point you have ever been tempted or ever will, Jesus has also been tempted in that. And then he says, because I understand your problems because I know where you're at, because I'm a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart, and because I read the heart and not the lips, because I understand what is inside of you that desires, I'm asking you to come boldly to the throne of grace that we, all of us, might obtain mercy And find grace to help in the time of need. I think he was letting all of us know that help is available to us. And unless we have it, we can't make it. And he is letting us know that not only will he help us begin in this life, he'll help us to grow in it, and he'll help us to end it. And bring us to the greatness of his power and his throne. And he says, we don't have to come begging. He simply says, put on the royal robes of Christ and come into the throne room. And there the golden scepter is stretched out. And you are invited there. And then tell me what you want. And I'll give you mercy. Hallelujah for mercy. And I'll give you grace and you'll find that to help you in a time of need. In other words, mercy and grace is so important to a Christian life that mercy surrounds us. Grace envelops us and erases all the failures of ourselves and we stand perfect in the eyes of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of Calvary, hallelujah, not because of ourselves, any good deed we've ever done, but because we have decided that we needed help in the times of problems and trouble, and we have tried it our way, and so we decide we'll try it God's way. And he won't bring up one single thing in your life and hold it against you. He'll just say, you've came, I understand it, and my mercy encompasses you, and my grace is sufficient for you. And I thank God for that. One of the greatest things and the most baffling and the most confusing thing, I think, within the Christian faith and walk is the devastating fact of human suffering. 50 years of ministry, 50 years of hospital visitations, 50 years of watching people suffer, saint and sinner alike, has not brought me very much closer to the answer of human suffering. I wish I could say I have the answer to all of that, and I don't, but I do have something that will help us. And there has been times with all of us, When sorrows like the sea billows have rolled over us. There's been times when pain and perplexity that our lamps of faith have flickered very low. There's been times when shadows of doubt have whelmed up deep within us. And times when we actually felt like God has let us down. Amen. Anybody but me ever felt that wave at me. Like God has let us down. We actually felt like God has let us down and there's been times when we have turned our faces to the wall and said, why God? Why is this happening to me? Why these circumstances in my life? Why can't they be cleared up Uh, and where are you anyway? You have promised to be a God in my time of need. I can remember several incidents in my experience with questioning God and finding answers a little bit later, and some answers I've never found yet. I'm still seeking for them, and if, if I can remember them when I look in the face of Jesus, I'll ask him about them. But it's my opinion everything is going to disappear when I look in his face and see the brightness of his power, and I won't remember anything I wanted to ask him because I've made it into the kingdom of God, and I'm looking him in the face. And I'm thanking Him for the privilege of being there. Amen. Through no goodness of my own, but through His power and His resurrection life. But I remember years ago when my first pastorate really, well, uh, probably the second one, that there was a devoted mother, and inspiration, very loyal individual to the church. And she was just 47 years old, and she was a friend of all the problems that I had as a young minister trying to find my way and trying to find the will of God she was always there to lift me up and to talk to me and to tell me and let me know that the sun's not shining now but it's going to shine one of these times and that's the beauty of a good old fashioned saint of God that just lets you know it don't stay dark forever how many of you know that it don't stay dark forever It's dark now, but you'll wake up in the morning and the sun will probably be shining. If it isn't shining, the clouds will be over there and later the clouds will dissipate and you'll see the sun again. It's the same way with a righteous life, a child of God. The enemy can make things look dark, and shadows and clouds of doubt would be there. But if we hang on, the sun, S-O-N, is going to shine, thank God. He's going to give us the life that we need in our life. And she was struck down, left behind a husband and five daughters and one son. And there's many families. I don't want to take a lot of time to go over that that's been struck down, not just once, but many times sickness, unemployment, one setback right after another until sometimes we're just tempted to say, Well, God, uh, I don't find it any better now than I did when I was living for you. (laughs) Well, you just got one thing. You are invited to the throne room of God. That's the only difference you have. God says, Come here. And you're going to find mercy and grace to help you in a time of need. That's the difference with being a child of God. That's the good thing about it, all right? Things maybe doesn't seem any different at all. I can remember in uh, Norman, Oklahoma, at a funeral, this boy's only son was killed by a drunken driver. They were returning from a church service. His wife was in the hospital fighting for her life. His brother-in-law lay in the same casket with her grandson. And he, with all the anguish that he could in his face, looked up at me and said, Why, Brother Hostclaw, why? And I wish at those times I had an answer. The only answer I had is have faith in Christ. Have faith in God. Don't lose your faith in Jesus Christ now. You're going to need him right now more than you've ever needed him before in your life. Don't lose faith in him. That's what I have to say about anybody that has underwent a lot of sorrows and despairs. Don't get mad at God. Don't lose God. Keep him because he is so necessary. I don't understand why bad things happen to good people. I don't have the answer to that. Other than that, there are times when God is stretching our soul to greatness just to see if we love Him because of who He is, not because of what He can do for us. He wants us to love Him for who He is. How many of you know He's the Christ of Calvary? He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. Whatever you need, that's what He is. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost. Thank God I feel like I've got a hold of some electricity up here because we need Him, saints. We need to understand Him as He understands us. I can remember when my sister Margaret, her 28-year-old son, was lying dying in the hospital and all the searching in her face was trying to understand why is this? Why, when I've prayed and when I've cried and I've agonized and I've lived before them, why is this? I wish I could have had the answer and said, well, it's for this reason and that reason and some other reason. But the truth of the matter is, maybe the boy would have never found Jesus. Maybe he would have never known him, but on his hospital bed while he was dying, he found the Master. Thank God. So what does that say? God sees farther in the future than we ever dare to see. And His eternal life in us is more important than a few years we might live here on this earth just to have the glorious event of being able to look in the faces of our loved ones. Time and time again, bad things have happened to good people. Questioned about the demise of my father and others, but I realize also that Jesus once said in Matthew five forty-five, I believe it is, God makes his son to rise on the evil, on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. And that sounds real good when we're trying to comfort other people, doesn't it? I mean, that's some good thing to say. Well, God said... It would rain on the good as well as it would rain on the evil. And we've got to expect that. But somehow those words fall flat when it rains on our child and when it rains on our wife and when it rains on our husband and our mother and our father and our friends. Those words give us no comfort whatsoever. And so we're still lost in the maze of why God... What's going on with you? Where are you at? What are you going to do? And still lost in it without an answer. But when I was going over that some time ago, I went across the scripture that had laid dormant in most individual lives, and we really never looked into it to see what it was actually saying. And it's in those hours that if we will let it, that the words of Jesus on the cross, would take up a new meaning to us. Matthew 27, 46, just before the ninth hour, Jesus, suffering and dying for us, this individual that had underwent mockery, had underwent whippings and being mutilated and had been uh, just used and misused on the cross, This flesh cried, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And flesh cried as that hand reached out and that heart reached up for a hand that had always been there to sustain him. And as sadistic as it might seem, I for one am glad that he uttered these words because it brings him down to my level to make me understand that he understood what I was going through and the agony of his life. He could understand the agony of my life. However little or however great might be, his understanding about me is supernatural. And he knows where I'm going. He knows the path I'm taking. He knows the powers of the enemy. He knows the snares of the devil. He knows the sicknesses and evil and all the powers of hell that seek to destroy me he knows that and he comes with that nail scarred hand of his gets a hold of mine and say I'm going to walk you into the very kingdom I will be God. I'll not leave you here I'll not allow you to suffer I'll see you through even in those darkest hours because it seemed before this in all his moral and spiritual grandeur He seemed to be so many miles above us. Here's the master. Here's the one that waved his hand and said, Peace, be still. And those huge waves turned into small ripples just at his voice. And here's the one that healed the sickness and disease. Here's the one that opened blinded eyes. Here's the one that cleansed the lepers. Here's the one that opened unstop, open stopped ears. Here's the one that cast out the devil in the, the maniac Agadera. Here's the one that sounded that great almighty voice and said, Lazarus, come forth and raise to death. He's the one that we see as he walks the shores of Galilee doing good. And when they want to cast him over a cliff, he's the one that just walks through the crowd and they don't bother to touch him. That's the one we see until we see him on the cross. Until we hear him say those words that we've said so often, my God, my God, why hast thou... Forsaken me. It just seems like he walked this earth untouched by discouragements and by bitterness and by suffering that have scarred our life. It just seemed like he just wasn't touched by any of that. I know the scripture says, in every respect tempted as we, yet somehow, some way we never get a hold of it, do we? Some way we just can't realize that it is the Master that says He'll always be with us. His rod and His staff, they will comfort us. It is the Master that says, I will not leave you comfortless, but I will come to you. It is the Master that says, I know how you feel. And yet, some way or somehow, we just don't get it until we see Him on the cross until we get a hold of that and we feel his loneliness. That's what we felt a lot of times. His friends, those that he helped, those that he, that he healed, maybe a lot of them. And his friends wasn't there for him anymore. And anybody to stand up for him, false witnesses. Everybody that could have been a good witness was not there. And he felt the loneliness that we have felt time and time again and will always feel. But I tell you one thing. I'm not going to feel that lonely anymore. Hallelujah. Not since I know that he felt lonely like I felt lonely. And he paid the price. Thank God. So I won't have to be lonely anymore. So wherever I walk, he walks with me. He paid that price. For every last child of God... He paid the price. He knew the desperation that we knew. You see, until our Lord confronts us on that level, He seems so unreal to us. We see Him as the Lord of glory. Somewhere or other, we don't see Him as the Lord walking in the flesh. We don't understand how could He do this, and yet He did. And we need to understand that. He confronts us on our own level. He says, I have been there. Now what's your problem, saints? That's what he's trying to say. What's the big problem? What's the big deal? Don't you know that I one time walked that way? I one time felt that way. I understood those things. Don't you understand that I know all about it and i am come to help you. All I want you to do is come into the throne room of God and take a hold of what is actually yours and I will surpass you. Amen. Glory. Woo! I feel the Holy Ghost. Thank God. Thank, God. Thank, God. Thank God. Now if you don't, that's your problem. I'm having a good time up here. Praise the Lord. That's not what it's all about, but I'm having a good time up here. And let's look at him for just a few minutes. I know this shouldn't be old to us, but sometimes it is. Sometimes it's so old that it becomes new to us, especially we that have been here in this way for a long time, to not fully realize that whatever predicament we're in, God knows where we're at. And we don't seem to understand that because he's been there. And not only has he been there, but he has been the conqueror of it all. Now then, look at him. Why couldn't it have been just as easy to uh, pierce him inside or... Just as easy, why did he have to go to Gethsemane and pray until great drops and sweat run down off of him? Why was this necessary? Because he wanted you to understand also that as he had to get a hold of the will of God, you have to get a hold of the will of God, and sometimes it takes that. Why did they have to take him and beat him? And mock him and laugh at him, because he wanted you to understand that by the stripes it was laid upon his back was for the healing of your mind, soul, and body. And it wanted you to know also that he had endured it all for us. Now it looks like in the final analysis that he'd, he had been mistaken. That the final result of his love, the final, re- his trust in God and his passion for goodness had been wasted. That's the way it looked like to flesh. And that's the way it looks like to our flesh. If he had not, that omnipresent spirit of God dwelling in him to give him victory over this flesh, he would have never been able to die for us, and certainly he would not have rose again. Therefore, we would have been dead in our sins. But it wasn't so much the physical agony that prompted his words. It was the feeling of what he had done, and that what he had lived for had been without purpose. And that's the kicker to all of our lives. We don't mind suffering if we can keep the devil off our back long enough to know that what we have done, for God has not been in vain. But the enemy and flesh will torment us at this one thing. What you've done hasn't been worth enough. For your God to come to you at this time and everything you've done has been without purpose. This has been the point of backsliding for many, many Christians. It's because the devil had spoken to them and said if your God really loves you, if you really loved your God, all of this agony and pain would have not been necessary and you served him for no good reason." Just look, you've been sick, you've been despairing, you've battled, and all of that, and He just doesn't seem to be there. You see, He had presented Jesus had in the flesh a God that would listen to prayers. What was it He said, "Eli, Eli, lama My God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken me?" What a prayer. A God that understood problems. Just because you have problems doesn't mean God don't understand them. He does understand them. And that's the only way we ever go through them is knowing God understands them. And He comes and undergirds us and said, come on, take my hand. I'm going to walk you through this. Daylight's on the other side. Hallelujah. And if we don't ever, ever, ever see the answer to our prayers as far as health is concerned, I will guarantee you one thing. You hang on to the hand of God and He'll walk you in the grave and He'll walk you out of it and when you come out of it, they won't weigh one ounce of sickness any place in your body and death can't hold you any longer. That's what he's trying to tell us. A lot of these things may not go away. And now here he is, after all of that life and all those questioning, he's hanging there on the cross, publicly humiliated, and in his darkest hour, he identified himself more closely to us than any other time in his life. When he said those words, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Let him touch you tonight. Let him know in your darkest hours There is nothing wrong with crying that out and letting him know you want to understand there's nothing wrong with saying, I feel forsaken, God. Where are you, God? And I've got to tell you one thing. You hold on to his hand and he'll let you know right off where he's at because he's never too far from us. Of course, the Bible would let us know he was not forsaken. He just felt forsaken in that dark hour psalms 37 38 says for the lord loveth judgment and forsaketh not his saints they are preserved forever so you see in no way he could have been forsaken but flesh We're dealing with flesh, saints, as well as the Spirit. We're dealing with them both. And Jesus dealt with them both. And Jesus overcome. And he's letting us know we can, through him, be an overcomer to everything that faces us. And he's letting us know one thing. And I'll say it again. If he's not there in this life, he will be in the life to come. I don't think I'm going to raise up with what hair I've got gray and my teeth missing and, and my body wore out. I think I'm going to get a new body. <laughs> I think he's going to take care of all of these aches and pains, many of them I brought on myself, but he's going to take care of them anyway because he loves me. Amen. A-back. There is no... Completely satisfying answer to human suffering and always I feel like that's going to have to remain partly unanswered because to give you a concrete answer on it I've never been able to maybe been able to help us and let us know that like Jesus he was crying out in the midst of the hour but when it come right down to it right down to it. Even after he said those words, Where are you, God? They give him a chance. The angels could have come down and took him off of that cross. And even after crying that out, his spirit inside was so settled on the job he had to do that he refused to be taken down from the cross. And even though our flesh cries, sometimes the Spirit inside of us refuses to give in to the powers of hell and flesh and holds fast to His unchanging hand, regardless of what flesh cries and says. Amen. One thing for certain, we may feel forsaken, but we're never alone. Hebrews 13, 5, He said, I will never leave thee. I will never forsake thee. John 14, 18, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And amidst of our suffering, there is a presence. Hallelujah. I feel that presence right now. There is a presence. In the midst of our loneliness, there is a presence. In the midst of our grief, there is a presence. In the midst of our doubting moments, there is a presence. That is there that just waits for us to call on Him. And He says, I want you to come boldly into my throne room because my grace and my mercy is going to envelop you and you're going to find help when you need it. Glory. In the midst of it all, we're going to find a comforter, a fortifier, one who does strengthen us, one who does uphold us, one who does bring us through somehow from hour to hour, from day to day, from year to year, and whatever the reason for suffering, whatever the reason for grief, whatever the reason for loneliness, whatever the answer is to this haunting question, this we have to know. God does not forsake us. He remains our refuge, and our strength. And we who have gone through the dark nights of the soul and have found the sunshine, have found it don't stay dark all the time, are convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that he was there all the time. Hallelujah. Even when place said, no, he's not around, some little still small voice just in the midst of that din and noise that says, no, you can't make it. There ain't no way you can make it. All of this is your background. That's in your background. You ain't ever going to make it in the midst of it all. It's that still small voice of the Savior and says, you can make it. You can make it. You can make it. You can make it and that's because of Calvary because of the high priest yes. Yes, because of the one that said and looked down the misery and woe of humanity wandering a sheep without a shepherd and said it's enough devil You've had them long enough. I've been patient. My call has been there. And whatever you try to do, if they listen, they'll come into my throne room. They're going to find what it takes. They're going to find what they don't have. I do. I'm going to bring them. Us all every one of us to the end of our journey. And we're going to look in the face of Jesus and we're going to laugh in the face of the enemy and say, yeah, you thought that you would damn my soul. I wouldn't have a chance in the world. That's what you thought. But my Jesus, who saw me, wooed me, courted me, had patience with me in the process brought me into His kingdom. And now then, I've entered in to eternal life. Thank God. Stand with me just a moment. Would you? And can you some way lift your hands and your heart? And say, thank you, Lord, for the throne room that comes and provided for us from Calvary. Lift them up high and say, thank God for the blood. Thank God for the high priest. Thank God for the kingship. Thank God for rescuing me. Thank you, Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah.